Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Lorelai Weissel and I'm super excited to see Urza up against Nicol Bolas in the Battle of the Ancient Planeswalkers. I'm Brian Dawes and I cannot wait until I see Frey Lees breaking stuff down and leading us to victory against Nicol Bolas. I'm Carrie Thomas and I can't wait to see Yogmoth teleport behind Nicol Bolas and say nothing personnel kid and then he kills him. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We all know Yogmoth is in a planeswalker, so he can't possibly be there. We're also lying. All these characters are super, super dead. True story. <laughs> <laughs> but this week, we did get some first new hints at what is happening in the War of the Spark story. This past weekend was Emerald City Comic Con, where there was a fancy panel with Jay on it and some other folks. Um, you know, they're not important, just like, you know, author of the Ravnica novel, Greg Wiseman. But uh, <laughs> um, Greg was also on Weekly MTG on Thursday. So we, we won't be talking about the panel this episode. Because there was nothing important on it, right? Well, because we record this before the panel oh, happens. Timey-wimey stuff. They're going to be talking about the novel and, and magic story and some stuff. So we will know a lot more in the future. And hopefully you caught the stream. Oh, wait. Yeah, that's why we're also really going to wait, because we'll just wait till Jay is back and can talk about it. Because he will have been there, and we'll know what was said and what was revealed. And he can go over that. That's his job. But in the meantime, Weekly MTG did have Greg Wiseman on to talk about War of the Spark Ravnica, the novel that goes along with this set, which is convenient because the set is also named War of the Spark. It's like you can tell they're related. So he and Steve talked for about 40 minutes about this novel, what went into writing it, what characters are involved, and it turns out like everybody. Like we already knew from the stained glass that these 36 planeswalkers were going to be appearing in the set. Greg also mentioned on the stream that there are over 100 named characters, some new, most returning, that highlight all 10 of the guilds, highlighting mostly guild politics, but also planeswalkers. There are some new characters, both planeswalkers, both from Ravnica. That's a lot of people. I'm really hoping some of these are from the small stories from Nikki Drayden, but who knows? That, that could just be me wishing on a star and, and missing. But, you know, that would be really interesting if some of those characters popped up in the book. And we also don't know how inflated the numbers are. There could be a scene where, like, Jace goes to where the birth certificates are held and then, like, reads off about 40 names before he finds the name he needs. <laughs> and so there's only, like, 60 characters, but he named 100. So. <laughs> so part of what this book is doing is each chapter will be from the point of view of one character. And there's... uh. About 11 or 12 lead characters who will have point of view sections in the story. So the story is going to hop around through different viewpoints of what is literally a gigantic war happening on Ravnica. That's how we know the novel is going to be structured. And there's a lot of characters, and they did confirm characters, plural, will die. They didn't say planeswalker characters, so it could just be people on the plane and not all of your favorite planeswalkers who knows die jace die 
actually, um, there's some bad news there. Oh, um, no. As the continuity consultant, Jay made sure to kill everybody's favorite characters. Planeswalkers or not. All of them. Jay's, Jay's killed everyone. Ha. Too late. My favorite character's already dead. We shouldn't dunk on him too much when he's not here. It'll be interesting to talk about later. That's all I have to say. Mrs. MD8. I like how you just gave me a wife. That was nice. Hashtag goals. Greg also disclosed that in an unexpected story move, the group of very large Planeswalker count will divide up into smaller groups of Planeswalker counts, and they will do tasks that they need to do before defeating the boss at the end. I don't really think that's like a major reveal, but he said about six different tasks that they need to do, or they need to get done before they actually have any hope of beating Bolas, and then they'll rejoin at the end. Of all the things to mention about the plot of the story, I kind of like that one. That was an answer to a question about kind of how this novel handles so many characters. Having that kind of structured, like, look, here's our objectives and this is what's going to happen, is a good way to keep the big picture organized while the novel pops around from viewpoint to viewpoint around all these characters. So, Infinity War showed that it works in a way, and so I'm very interested to see how well he's able to pull it off. He also mentioned some coordination with the Chandra comic being not a difficulty, but like, Something he had to keep in mind, um, leaving Chandra's story off where it would eventually pick up in the comic. Thankfully, the comic hasn't advanced too far at this point, so you're not you're not getting spoiled on much. Who laughed at that? <laughs> that was me. <laughs> <laughs> Who laughed at my subtle jab? It wasn't that subtle. The comic has been delayed about three times so far, and I don't know if it'll actually see print or digital print on comiXology before this novel is out because if they delay it once more it's definitely not coming like my biggest issue with the chandra comic was that they were going to release a four issue comic that takes place after war of the spark all before war of the spark was even out and now the delays are making it so that the stuff that comes after war of the spark is just going to happen after war of the spark anyway like they could have just planned it this way or if they intended to delay it until two through four until after war of the spark they could have done that initially but doing it in one month stints is the worst approach for comic fans who wanted to read this series and also like not keeping it in the forefront of anybody's mind because they can't go to their comic shop this month and grab it and that's happened three or four times now yeah yeah and then uh, they were asked on stream about web fiction or the second novel, and they didn't really have anything to say on the stream, but they said to pay attention more to the panel at Emerald City Comic Con. So again, we don't have much to say in this episode, but stay tuned next episode. We'll have a lot more information about where Magic Story is going from here. And only a few other mentions. Obnixilis. Working in one of those smaller subgroups with Karn and Dak Faden, um, so that removes Dak from Theros after five or six years now, where he's been in a little lore purgatory of 
not being acknowledged by anybody because the Ashiok plot kind of got ruined there. But Ashiok's also here, so who knows what has actually transpired. Guess we'll be in for a little, at least a little bit of a update on what those plots ended up being, if still canon. And so much for the theories that Dak Faden was going to lead to the Elspeth getting out of the Underworld plotline or theory that people were anticipating, but um, who knows, maybe it'll still set up um, a trip back to Theros to get her out of the Underworld, if if that's even going to happen, but we'll see. This was the first confirmation that Dak will be in this story, so that's cool, because he is not one of the 36 stained glass planeswalkers. Yes, and in a little bit of an unscripted meta news, Mark Rosewater had relayed in his article this week that the set after Corset 2020 is going to be an entirely new plane, which kind of throws off, because I think the general sentiment around the community was that it was going to be Theros, because we had a lot of setup for Theros, and especially in some of the design hints that people were getting from the sets, yeah. Yeah, the triple mana cost creatures, thinking, pe- making people think it was going to be Devotion and stuff like that. They still have a little bit more time before anything would rotate out from Ravnica to actually bounce back to Theros. But it's interesting to know that there's a new plane on the way. And then the last note we had for the stream was that there is a new seemingly Planeswalker character since he's in the group with the Planeswalker. But it is named the Wanderer and they are working with Davriel Kane of Children of the Nameless. And we don't know who it is. Well, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I'm very excited about that pairing. The Wanderer is a phenomenal character. I'm very excited to be able to talk more about them, because they are one of my favorites, I think. We already knew that there were at least two new Planeswalkers coming for the set as of the Stained Glass, and one of them's confirmed to be Urza, so Brian can talk about that confirmation (laughs) if he wants to. Oh, God. (laughs) You got me, okay? You got me. All right. So our main feature for this week, we are going to start talking about these 36 Planeswalkers because that's a lot. So we've got a lot to cover over the next three weeks. So we're going to do 12 a week and just kind of do a brief catch up of who they are, what they're doing, the setup to their appearance in War of the Spark. So this week is Planeswalkers of War of the Spark Part 1, The Good. So this week we wanted to talk about the Gatewatch, their friends, and their closer acquaintances that seem like they would most certainly oppose Nicobolus. So let's start with the obvious leader, Gideon Jura. Gideon is coming off of a terrible defeat at the hands of Nicobolus in Hour of Devastation. Here he had gone through life thinking he is indestructible, invulnerable, a born leader. And it turns out he's a crappy leader, and Nicobolus can poke right through his shield, stabs him in the shoulder, he loses his Cyril. But now he kind of has a reason to live, to defeat Nicobolus. Because he's been wanting to die for a long time. I wrote a whole piece about it, god, years ago now, about their character arcs. Gideon still feels guilty about killing his friends on Theros by accident. So, on Dominaria... Gideon ends up with the Black Blade, because they think that's going to be what it takes to kill Belzenlock, and then they realize, oh, 
that means it will also be good against Nicobolus. Let's keep it. So he's coming in going against his gut feelings because he did not want to pick up the Black Blade. He wanted nothing to do with such an evil, vile weapon because he's a good boy. Allegedly. <laughs> so he has this incredibly cursed blade and he has to reckon with the fact that he's not a bad person, he thinks, but he's using a terrible weapon of terrible power to commit horrible violence. He's rationalizing that he's doing it for the right reasons. The bachelor defense, you know, he's here for the right reasons. Nobody's going to get that joke, but I'm leaving <laughs> it because I am well cultured. He is compromising his morals a little bit, though. That's a lot of Liliana's influence during the Dominaria story. And of course, now we know that Liliana did not go with the rest of the Gatewatch and uh, Dominaria ended with Jace telling them she obviously abandoned you. And Gideon, being the trusting person he is, went back to Dominaria, saw that, yeah, Liliana wasn't there. She didn't follow them and they don't know where she is yet. So, But hey, he didn't try to follow her manor trails. I think his trust is a little shaken where his story left off and he is in a personal place that is a little less justified than he would like it and i think that's going to be an interesting setup for his character in war of the spark and next up is obviously the leader of the gatewatch jace um jace is fresh off his adventures on exelon and his kind of recharacterization outside of the story where he's gained more acceptance of his role in the protection of Ravnica. But unfortunately, Ravnica has um, gone a little haywire while he was gone, thanks to the plotting of Nicol Bolas. And so he has met up with what remained of the Gatewatch on Dominaria, and only really Nissa had left in the meantime. By the time he was there, Chandra was back. But he is distrustful of Liliana, um, especially after his experience on Ixalan, and warned the entire Gatewatch against trusting her. So his interplay with Gideon was in that respect, but he was taking a cold stance against the Liliana being involved in any future plans, since up to that point, she had been pretty obviously using all of her friends in order to cancel that demonic pact. That backfired on her, but... Jace is on to Ravnica and hopefully organizing the Planeswalkers to protect Ravnica better than he had in the past. And he claims to have a silver bullet in Vraska's memory, which he has sealed away on Ixalan so that Nicobolus can't probe her mind and find out that she knows Jace and they talked about how awful Nicobolus is. And at the moment, that old Vraska who is not the current Vraska, um, thanks to the amnesia. And Jace were the only people who seemed to have really understood the entirety of Nicol Bolas's plot that hasn't been revealed to the rest of the Gatewatch so far. Hopefully it will be in the novel. All right, and the next Planeswalker is Chandra Nalar. We last saw her at the end of the Dominaria arc where they took down Belzenlock, and she left to come to Ravnica with the rest of the Gatewatch. Um, She's a little disheartened that Liliana did not join them as well. But before that, um, on Dominaria, she 
came to the realization, or Mother Luti was actually Jaya. And after realizing that what Jaya had been trying to teach her as Mother Luti is the only things that she could teach her as Jaya, so she has Jaya teach her a little bit more about self-control and takes it more to heart now that Mother Luti is actually Jaya. Chandra takes it to heart and is instrumental in causing a distraction while waiting for the rest of the Gatewatch to get there with the weatherlight to kill Belthamlock. So that's pretty much what Chandra's up to. She's kind of sad that Nissa wasn't didn't partake in their exploits on Dominary because she was kind of upset. Next up is Johnny. He popped in on Dominaria for the Joyra bit. To yell at them, basically. So he was being disappointed dad, telling them that they shouldn't have gone to Amonkhet, and then he went to go get help for the growing threat that is Bolas, now that Bolas has revealed his plot on Amonkhet. I assume that's who brings all of the other planeswalkers that will eventually appear on Ravnica. But he did not have a huge role in Dominaria's story arc, so there's not much to really say about him. I think it's really interesting because he's the one in the group who has actually faced down Bolas and defeated him before, but the rest of the Gatewatch doesn't really listen to him, I think, as much as they should. Defeat is a very a loose word here. He drove him off after Bolas had already ascended to a mount of power <laughs> and decided to play with a plane, so... But yeah, he... he I mean, Teferi's faced off against him and lost, but... He's the only one who's come away with a, quote, victory, end quote. But yeah, he's the only one who's come away with some semblance of a victory against Bolas. Because every other planeswalker in the Gatewatch who has gone against him has been utterly crushed. Jace um, was heavily distracted in his initial meeting with Bolas when he was supposed to be protecting Tezzeret from, from Bolas's mental intrusions and was summarily outmatched in embarrassing manner. Yeah, Johnny's the only one who can actually come away saying that, hey, I came away with a, a W there. I didn't take the L, so. <laughs> and Johnny's also in relation to other planeswalkers that have went out to seek help, primarily Nyssa and Gideon, who were gone for blocks on and trying to find help, planeswalker help against the Eldrazi, and returned with nothing. I think Gideon technically got Jason Chandra eventually, and now Ajani went out for help, and there's 36 planeswalkers in the set, so couldn't have done that bad. Ajani equals LinkedIn of the multiverse? <laughs> or Facebook? <laughs> well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking it's more LinkedIn, because generally when people agree to come on Facebook, they still don't end up coming, so. <laughs> Next up, we have Tafiri, who is freshly reignited after Dominaria and chomping down on that special power stone. (laughs) Tafiri has led a pretty simple life. Simple in the Planeswalker level sense, um, since the Mending, and recently has tried to pry a few ways of returning Zalfir, but that kind of took the back burner once he learned from the Gatewatch that his old enemy from about 60 years back, Nicol Bolas, had assembled a plot across the multiverse that threatens their entire existence. So Tefiri has banded along with the Gatewatch and has officially joined the Gatewatch with an oath. And 
has traveled with them to Ravnica in hopes of defeating Bolas, hopefully once and for all, but we'll take what we can get. And Karn is in a similar boat. Karn did not take an official oath with the Gatewatch, but ended up on Dominaria to unearth the Golgothian Silex um, from a location on Dominaria, which shall not be named. It's a non-specific location. It's very specifically <laughs> Yavamaya, you know, where the Silex was detonated. Uh, yeah. But regardless, Karn has come for the Silex, retrieved the Silex successfully against the wishes of Multani, but he's like, don't worry, Multani, I'm just going to kill a whole bunch of people with this. And Multani's like, yeah, I guess. Yo, but, but seriously, Multani should be fine because those people are Frexians. He don't like them either. Karn assumingly has knowledge of how advanced the Phyrexians are getting on the plane and on his home, well, not his home plane, his created plane of Mirrodin slash New Phyrexia at this point, and knows, assumingly, that they're creating interplanar technology, or at least seeking that technology, but unfortunately has a little detour on his route to nuke New Phyrexia, and that will be their fight against Nicobolas. He has accompanied the Gatewatch to Ravnica, and along with Jaya Ballard, who will come up soon, and not as an official member of the Gatewatch, but as one of the Planeswalkers who will officially fight by their side. So then we have uh, Jaya, who is tagging along, and did not take an oath because, quote, she's not a joiner, which is fitting because... She became a planeswalker and then decided to skedaddle from magic lore for like 15 years. The only canon thing we know about her time as a planeswalker is that she got drunk on Ragatha and accidentally started a religion. So, like, <laughs> it's still the best. <laughs> so, uh, like Brian mentioned earlier, Jaya was helping Chandra train a lot on Dominaria, get better control over her pyromancy. That's kind of been Jaya's signature, is that she wields fire with a certain finesse but incredible power that no other pyromancer has really been able to replicate. Whereas Chandra has just been full force, full fury, unrestrained the whole time, and kind of a mess. So Jaya's here with Chandra and the rest of the Gatewatch on Ravnica. It still feels a little weird to me because she doesn't seem like the type to get involved with this kind of large-scale multiversal war. But hopefully the novel can delve a little bit more into her thoughts on <laughs> what the hell she's doing in her old age in a fight that she has literally nothing to do with in the first place. I think that's an interesting part of it, is how many of these will be recruited planeswalkers who actually want to fight against Bolas, and how many will be... I just came because I heard Valzeric speaking, and just showed up. I didn't know there was anything big happening here. Hey, man, I thought there was supposed to be a barbecue. One thing that the, uh, the synopsis from the book mentions, I believe, it was something about um, being drawn to Ravnica, not just... Um, people just showing up randomly. So I think there's some manner of something that's pulling people to Ravnica, not just people just showing up on a lark. Maybe even a planeswalker redirect system 
where if you're trying to planeswalk somewhere, you just get shuttled to Ravnica, as that would be what we know of Teo, the main character of the Ravnica novel's story, is that he ignites his planeswalk and then just ends up on Ravnica. It would make sense if there's, yeah, a vortex pull towards Ravnica that all the planeswalkers who are trying to walk somewhere else just kind of get veered off the path into Ravnica, which would suck. <laughs> all right, so the next planeswalker that we're going to discuss is Nissa. Nissa, at the end of the Amonkhet arc, was very angry with Liliana and pretty much the entire Gatewatch. She was not happy about how the fight went and just wanted to go home. So she did not participate on Dominaria at all. Planes walking away from Dominaria as soon as they escaped from Bolas on Amonkhet. And we don't really know much about where she is at this point. We know that Chandra was very disappointed and sad that Nissa was not there, but she kind of got it. And I guess we'll see what she's been up to when we see her in War of the Spark. Another planeswalker who was greatly impacted and not very happy about how things went on Amonkhet was Samut. Samut is still on Amonkhet, um, with Hazaret leading her people to safety away from whatever Eternals and the remaining insect gods on Amonkhet. Um, and beyond that, we don't really know what she's been up to. So we'll also learn more about what she's been up to since Amonkhet in War of the Spark. I think it's interesting for her to be included because Bolas is the interloper who showed up in Noctamoon and changed her whole culture that she grew up in. So she kind of has this slightly personal grudge from Hour of Devastation, but like this huge cultural thing like, Hey, jerkface dragon, you ruined my entire world. Vengeance probably looks pretty good right now. She's going to be real good friends with uh, Vivian Reed. That's exactly what I was just thinking. <laughs> We're on the same wavelength there. Uh, we will also be seeing Sahili, who didn't play too major of a role in the Kaladeshan Aether Revolt story, but did end up helping the renegade forces on um, the plane repel against Tezzeret and the console at the time. When all was said and done, she didn't have too much of a role besides helping those renegades, but she did end up meeting another planeswalker who happened upon her plane shortly after Ignition, and that leads us to the next one. It's Hotly from Ixalan, who can finally leave home. So Hotly is a warrior poet of the Sun Empire. She got caught up in the race to find Orazka and claim the power of the Immortal Sun, which she did. And now her jerkface Emperor Apatek III has it and wants to march to Torazon and fight back and cross the ocean. And it's, it's going to be a disaster. That plane is headed for global war. I'm sure it's going to be great. But Hwatli was finally able to leave with the Immortal Sun stolen away by Tezzeret. So the first place she went to was Girapur on Kaladesh, which is a plane that she saw visions of when she tried to leave. Like, she could see it beyond the Blind Eternities, but then was pulled back by the Immortal Sun. So she finally shows up on Kaladesh, and she meets Sahili. And uh, Sahili's skill is weaving metal into animal forms to partake in illegal pit fights, because she's awesome. And Hwatli's like, hey... What about dinosaurs? 
Yes. I just want one Robo Dinosaur card in War of the Spark. I would also be fine with Huatli and Sahili smooches. But that's neither here nor there. So Huatli did briefly meet Jace. Yeah, I don't think either recognized they were a planeswalker, though. Yeah, it was a brief meeting. So I'm curious if when she shows up on Ravnica, she will either find and recognize either Jace or Vraska, who seem to be on the opposite ends of this war. And if so, how her attitude will change about it. I'm also curious if she, like, encounters the Immortal Sun again, because she and Angrath will probably have the, oh, no, not again (laughs) moment. But it's also a power that she knows how to control. So that might be interesting. I'm curious how all these characters get used in this novel, because I don't know that yet. Um, and I just like Watley a lot. I'm glad she is back. And then the last Planeswalker we're talking about today is a old friend of the Gatewatch-ish. Well, at least friend of a Johnny, because it's Tamio, the scientist, the Moon Sage. She did not join the Gatewatch after Eldritch Moon, because who wants to go gallivanting around playing hero when there's science to be done that's just dumb and she has real responsibilities she does because she has kids and like a hubby and adopted children and she can't just go fighting eldrazi and punching tezzeret and taking down bug gods that's not her thing but now she's here and she has worked with the gatewatch And she's had close mental connections with Jace. So there's also lots of weird metaphysical things that are potentially happening between the Immortal Sun and the Eternals and the Planar Bridge. So someone like Tamiyo, who studies a lot of weird planar phenomena already, might be an invaluable tool in figuring out exactly what the hell is happening and how to stop it or how to understand it even Oh, she has a way to stop it. She just won't use that way to stop it. No, that scroll is <laughs> overwritten. We already went through that. The destroy the plane scroll does something else now, and the something else apparently unleashed enough energy to seal Emrakul in the moon. Bizarre. But she also knows Ajani really well. They are like best friends. They're part of what's called the story circle, which we know also at least includes Narset. So Tamio already knows two of the Gatewatch is wicked smart. She does like those apples. She has to see about a... Well, I guess not a girl, because she's already married. She's not a plumber, though. Is she a plumber? She might know about plumbing. She might (laughs) just... Like, I I don't know how many, like, other Goodwill hunting things I can say here, but Tamio might just, like, know everything about anything that anybody does in that movie. Or she could know a guy who could tell her a story about it, and then she could do some magic related to it based on that story so possibly that time ben affleck won an academy award somehow in ben affleck's defense he is a much better writer and director than he is an actor but yeah so that's what looks like is going to be the good folks on this side of the war on ravnica and i'm interested to see how they all come together what jobs they go off and do. Those pairings that Greg talked about in Weekly MTG were 
news to me, and that Omnixilis teams up with Karn and Dak is mind-blowing. Because I would not have pegged Omnixilis as someone who would work with good guys for anything. Yeah, and that, that lends a lot more weight to my idea that maybe some of these Planeswalkers were pulled here and are just, they're just trying, like, especially Obnixilis, he's not trying to be trapped on another plane. Like, he's, he's, he wants his freedom, and I really think that a lot of these Planeswalkers might have just ended up here because of whether it's Project Lightning Bug combined with the, uh, the Planner Gateway just pulling Planeswalkers in or doing some or some other way of pulling planeswalkers to this plane against their will and then trapping them there with the immortal sun. Bolas has one of those curved canes like in vaudeville where it comes from off stage and yanks people off. He's doing that to everyone around the multiverse. That or maybe he's just bribing people and telling them, "Hey, I've got work for you. Come meet me here." And then, "Hey, I'm not actually showing up, so you're trapped there. Have fun." Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. We'll we'll know more uh, next week when uh, we talk about the story panel from Emerald City Comic Con when Jay is back and not slacking off. And Ashley has finals, so that's why she's not here, because she is being very studious and academic. A responsible student, unlike I have ever was. A responsible young mind. <laughs> Which I know would make her laugh very much if she heard that. We love you, Ashley. So that about does it for this episode. So I I guess let's go to final thoughts. So my final thought is Captain Marvel was great. If you haven't seen it yet, get ready for a mind-blowingly awesome movie. Brie Larson was so much fun. The ending was so much fun. Can't do spoilers, but Goose is great. And like Samuel L. Jackson getting to be a a character in a movie and not just brooding Nick Fury behind all these heroes in certain scenes uh, was really enjoyable because he's a lot younger and a little bit more naive. And the digital de-aging they did on his face is seamless. You you couldn't tell. Like, I thought it was just a really good makeup job, but they, they did one hell of a job with that. That was great, and it is also the final Stanley cameo, which is unfortunate. That sucks, but uh, it was maybe my favorite Stanley cameo. But uh, very excited. Avengers Endgame came out with a new trailer last week too, which actually I hated the trailer because there's like nothing new in it. It's mostly black and white things from the old movies. Yeah, but they're they're just trying to make sure they don't spoil the movie, and I I, I appreciate that. So yeah. And they can't, like, not have a trailer because they need to keep the marketing train going. I'm just very excited. I'm very excited that we are going to, like, cap off here. If if they never did another Marvel movie after Endgame, I think that's kind of what their goal was when they started this whole project in 2008. I shouldn't even say that. They started the project years before that. Iron Man just came out in 2008. Like, this has been planned for like a decade more it's just very exciting i love movies they only went through five hulk actors (laughs) that's a whole other thing so brian final thoughts my final thought is about the golgothian silex on ravnica while i would like nothing more for that got that silex to get used and detonated on ravnica so that we don't have to come back there for another decade 
that completely just like I would just love for that to happen. But probably not going to happen. But what if it does? What if these character deaths are caused by the Golgothian Silex on Ravnica? What if the Silex only takes out three of the ten guilds and it just ruins the balance? And then I'm happy too, because there's no cycle. Oh man, that that'd be pretty cool. But you know, I'm very intrigued by what brought all these planeswalkers, especially Obnixilis and Soren, what brought them back to this plane? And I want to know how the hell Soren got out of that rock. Because he needs to go back. Nahiri, you need to find him and then put him back in that rock. You can leave him there on Ravnica, but you need to put him in the rock. <laughs> that's all I like that's what I that's what I'm here for. I, I want to see Nahiri put him back in a rock. Doesn't have to be on Innistrad, but that would have been better. Gary, final thought. My final thought is that I will be continuing to... Well, I didn't announce it formally last week because I didn't have it formed last week. But I will be continuing to post Magic Story weekly in the place of Magic Story, the column, on my website. And I will be tweeting out those links and also be posting them in our Discord whenever they go live. But they are stories that are taken from primarily the Duelist magazine. And they are relatively short fictional stories that were originally printed there and have not been transcribed online since. So you can read those. Each one comes with a full PDF of the Duelist issue that it was originally printed in, and whatever other resources I happen upon. I think I have the Chandelar Player's Guide in my possession from a friend, and I believe I will be scanning that and uploading it as one of the stories for one of the weeks. And there will be absolutely nothing photoshopped in these. Absolutely nothing. I'm uploading the scans in addition to transcribing the text, so I really don't have the time <laughs> to photoshop anything and then retranscribe it. You didn't let me wink. F- you didn't let me do the winky sound first. <laughs> wink. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not that. I'm not that dedicated. <laughs> I need people to have the context for where it was originally printed and what it said. And then I need to twist that context <laughs> so that 90% of the people understand it, but 10% of them blindly retweet it. <laughs> if you are also supportive of efforts to bring old story into the present day, or frankly, if you're just happy to support Carrie's trolling endeavors, you can head <laughs> over to patreon.com slash the Vorthoscast and donate and help support our show. We can't make this program without y'all. We record every week, release episodes every week. None of that could happen without all of our fans and all of our supporters, whether you donate or not. Just listening to the show, spreading it, telling your friends, that is helpful. Just appreciating the work that we've been doing is fantastic because we sure as hell appreciate everyone who supports the show, who is a patron who has even just heard of us and has thought about listening, because maybe you will listen in the future. Who knows? If this is your first episode, maybe you were one of those people one day who said, maybe I'll check it out, and then you did, and now you love us forever. Haha, you're trapped. (laughs) JK, you you can leave whenever you want. Or maybe you too were trolled by Carrie and wanted to know why this podcast is part of that reason why. You can contribute to that to make sure you're not the only person to get trolled by Carrie, and that's an important part of our magic community. The more money you feed me, the more funny content I put out. (laughs) I'm just a content vending machine. (laughs) I would like to officially state that 
your support on Patreon does not get fed to carry. They do not eat the cryptocurrency that we get, the bitcoins. Um, you know, you know that that is not a thing that is actually real. That's right, because I definitely do not convert those bitcoins to dollar bills or donuts to feed carry. Not at all. That definitely does not happen. Winky face. You have to save up your coins to get extra lives because this is all just a Mario game. I was going to go with the we leave the bitcoins in the wallet and then the owner of the server dies and then we don't get any of our money because that was an actual <laughs> news story. Yes, it was. It was. That was dumb. Okay, we're ending the episode. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. This has been the Vorthos Cast.